impact, income, and influence. Today's podcast is with Alan Seals, and he's a little bit different. Uh, he is a Broadway person, lives in New York, in Brooklyn, works on Broadway until COVID hit. We're going to talk about pivoting, growing a podcast, and growing a massive podcast network with more than 100 different shows. Enjoy today's episode. Impact, income, and influence is the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy, fun, witty banter, and today, learning about the technical side of podcasting. I have Alan Seals with me. He comes to us from Brooklyn, New York, but he doesn't have an accent. I think he likes pizza. I know he wanted to move to Japan, but more than anything, he helps people that want to get their podcast off the ground by handling all the technical stuff. We're going to talk a lot about that. He got into this by helping people that were on Broadway, maybe a little bit off Broadway. All they wanted to do was show up and share their message, but they had to learn how to edit. They had to learn how to do graphics. They had to learn how to upload all the stuff that weighs people down and stops people from getting their message out to the world. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. No problem. This is going to be a lot of fun. If you are watching this on video, he has one of the coolest backgrounds in the world. <laughs> built it built it myself out of quarantine boredom. There are two-inch sound-absorbing panels that are made to look like faux wood, like sort of a flooring that I got like a $50 fiber optic kit off of Amazon, drilled holes through the panels and threaded them through. So that was quite the challenge. What I thought would take me a couple hours took me a couple days, because if you've ever tried to sew with spaghetti, then you'll know what it's like to thread fiber optics through uh, through soundproof paneling. <laughs> Dude, only only a podcaster would go through that. So I want to know how you got into this. Like, take me back to the beginning. Where did this all start? Oh, gosh. Um, I have always had the acting bug. I've always wanted to be on stage, but yet it been in contact within my own brain uh, of, with the technical side. And I've always just been obsessed with technology. I love physics. I love space. I love the expansion of the universe. I love to get as nerdy as we can and then go sing about it. And so it's been sort of this weird internal struggle where I haven't been able to figure out which path to go down in life. And so I've been sort of flip-flopping back and forth. And the best advice I ever listened to that my mother gave me was you can do computer science, you can you can do um, acting with a computer science degree, but you can't do computer science with an acting degree. And I think that, so I got a computer science degree and that sort of sealed my fate to not be a professional actor because if you're gonna be a professional actor, you have to do nothing but act. But I've gone through the years and have, and now have uh, carved out a little niche for myself as, as being like the tech guy in this scene. And a lot of my friends um, before quarantine, of course, pandemic and Broadway shutdown aside, a lot of my friends are on Broadway and on TV and in film, and they're I'm I'm surrounded by that world, but still helping them and immersed with the tech, and so I'm getting the best of both worlds. 
that's that is pretty awesome that you get to do the best of both. So I have to ask your question on something. Book of Mormon, love it or hate it? I <laughs> I love shows that push boundaries and I don't think that it would be it would have gotten green light. I don't think it, I don't think it would have come to the stage in today's day and age given uh, everything that's happening now in in our modern zeitgeist but i love it for what it is i think it's brilliant matt stone and trey parker can just do no wrong in my book anyway that's, so i i took um i didn't know what to expect when i went to see it and i took some friends of mine that are about 20 years older and um i mean i'm in my mid 40s so they were like I looked over at one point and you could tell they were like deer in headlights. They had no <laughs> clue. Um, I think it was brilliant. It's probably, I mean, I've seen a couple of Broadway shows and it, I just thought it was brilliant and it's so different. Um, I know that you said you like to push boundaries a little bit and you like that kind of stuff, but the, I just wanted to get your take on it. So talk to me about tech on Broadway. Like, what does that involve? Like for people out there that are like, what does that mean? Is that like stage design? Is that lighting? What, is that string spaghetti through sound panels? A kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, recently in the last um, year, basically, since Broadway shut down, everyone was scrambling to try to figure out how to continue to earn a living. Because when your ability to be on stage, when your ability to to like when your whole industry just says, nope, we don't exist anymore, then everyone sort of has this existential crisis and they're figuring out what to do. Some people quit the business altogether. Some Tony winners moved back in with their parents. Some people have started teaching. Some people are still are working more now than they did when there was an industry. And a lot of that has to do with how well they're adapting to their surroundings and how well they're able to shift. And, and because of the fact that this is 2021 now and in so much as speaking about the technological technological advancements of the internet and audio recording at home studio building many of these people have now uh, they're the great performers great actors on broadway but now they're all of a sudden doing books on tape they're supplementing their whole life reading whole books in on tape or they're doing voiceover acting and they've gotten cast on cartoons that they never uh, never would have had time to prepare for when they were doing eight shows a week. So go, going along with all of that is, all right, I'm, I'm getting an audition together. What do I need to do to make myself sound the best that I can? Because when you go into a physical audition space, you want to look your best, you want to sound your best, you want to present yourself your best self for that character. Uh, and so when you're at home, especially when it's audio only, and you're developing this intimate relationship with someone with earphones on, right? How do you sound and look the best if if video, of course, is of is something that matters. And so I all of a sudden, all of these things that I just learned about as a hobby became so incredibly useful. And what microphone do I use if I'm on a budget? If I don't have a budget, what should I use? Do I like I don't sit in front of a window? What do you mean? I can't be in front of my noisy window with horns and honking and all of these things why wait multi-track audio recording what does that mean you know all of these things that you and i know as podcasters implementing all of that into the people who just show up on stage as you said in that wonderful intro and are used to just lending their voice to the scene and causing emotion to happen now all of a sudden have to be their end-to-end -end production crew and that's really hard for a lot of people who have never had to do that before 
some of the some of our podcast guests, the podcast guests, if you're if people have started podcasts, have <laughs> have never used a computer. I I I joke you not. I kid you not. That we have a podcast on Broadway Podcast Network. I co-founded that, and we'll, I'm sure we can get to that soon. But one of our podcasts is called Break a Bat, and it's a play on Break a Leg, and it's this huge Broadway Yankees fan, a Yankees fan who's also a Broadway fan, and he switches back and forth between interviewing like the Yankees and Broadway stars. And so there's always a tie-in because the Broadway people love baseball and the baseball people love Broadway. So that's the common thread. Nice. And some of the people we've had on there, like All-Stars, Daryl Strawberry, the, you know, um, some current active Yankees who were just sitting around doing nothing when sports shut down. He gets these on and we're we're having to troubleshoot on a case by case basis because they're like, I don't I don't know how to connect a how do I connect a microphone to my laptop? Or like <laughs> you plug it in the USB port. What's a USB port? And some of this basic stuff you you that you would assume most people would know. When you make your living on the on the the, the court or the field or whatever it is, everyone's got their own set of challenges. For sure. I've learned never to assume anyone knows anything in this space. Even the people that you would think I have, I had a guy that was a CEO and founder of a multimillion dollar company that showed up on his phone with like a single AirPod, like not an AirPod, a single, uh, like plugged in thing. It sounded horrible. He's getting all kinds of wind noise. I was like, sir, um, come on, we gotta, we gotta work (laughs) on this a little bit. And I don't know if it was just, he just didn't realize like, oh, maybe I need to sit at my desk and sound good. Or if he did that all the time because he was a CEO and he could do whatever he wanted. But it was like one of the biggest interviews I'd ever done. And I never aired it. I never released it because it was so bad. I couldn't clean it up. And I was just like, well, that's what happens. So I want to talk about because when the pandemic happened, there had to be a huge shift for you. Like what happened? Like, let's talk. Let's talk about timeline, like February, March, April. What what kind of went through your head and what what was your playbook? Like, what did you start doing? How'd it go? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I co-founded the Broadway Podcast Network with multi-Tony Award winner Dory Berenstein, who is just one of the most incredible people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And she and I got together in December of 2018, yes, and we're like, hey, we don't really know each other, but we have this love for podcasts and we realize that we can't find anything in the Broadway space, in the theater space, combined with the podcast space, it's hard to find your collection of anything. There is no destination. So we quickly, within like two months, we're like, all right, here we go. We're starting this company. And that we started this company that became the Broadway Podcast Network that launched in October of 2019. And then we were going through the challenges of going to old school, big, big Broadway producers and West End producers and saying, hey, we got this great thing. We got this great place for you to advertise. We've made the destination for all for all of your listeners. Everyone who wants to buy a ticket to see your show is on our network listening. And they're like, awesome. What's a podcast? And then we got that conversation going and they were like, I understand podcasting. Where do I find one? And it was just pushing and pushing and pushing things forward until finally February hits. 
in February 2020, and and we we all of a sudden every it just clicks for everyone, and we're we've got these big advertising campaigns lined up for these shows that are about to open in March, and Tony campaigns that are that are being talked about, and then this is also in the back of our minds. We're hearing oh this this virus this coronavirus is on the other side of the world. I, I guess it's, you know, we got to be careful. And if anybody's getting sick in the studio, make sure you're not coming in. We got to disinfect it. You know, we didn't really think anything of it at the time. Then come March 12th, 2020, Broadway shuts down. That's when the whole city says, the city of New York says, no, no gatherings over 500 people, period, which every Broadway house, that's every Broadway house. So I want to know what you did when you got that message, because to me, it's like our generation's like kind of like JFK moment, right? Like what the whole city's shutting down? And I can't go anywhere. Well, what 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 did you do like that day? Do I you remember, remember you just drink I was, whiskey. <laughs> I, I sat ironically. So Dory, my co-founder, was. Um, she's one of the producers. She was a lead producer of the prom on Broadway and one of the main producers of the prom for Netflix. And so she was actually on set in LA when this news hit. So they had four, three or four days left of production. And so she's sitting with Meryl Streep and James Corden and all these people. And I'm talking with her and I'm like, what do we do? We just lost our industry. And ever the optimist, you know, we talked through it and we said, well, we can either pause or we double down. And I remember we made the conscious decision that we are going to find the silver lining in this no matter what. And we, as an industry, as a global industry, podcasting was declining. And we immediately, without missing a beat, like tech skill, tech skills to the rescue, you know, put my <laughs> pull over, pull up my shirt and, you know, TS man, tech skills man is under there. Um, so immediately we worked and found a way to not only host live events, but move our, our physical studio into an online recording environment, very similar to how we're recording now. We've got a collection of platforms that we offer to all of our podcasters, depending on if they want video or audio or how many people or et cetera. And immediately just, we were like, we have to keep going because if we can continue to deliver the arts to people when their shows are shut down this is this is what everybody needs every like the world is is unhappy the world is freaking out just not just us not just me but the world is freaking out and being in the broadway space and the arts and theater space for so long something that i have learned is is this is catharsis for people this is how they relate to other humans sometimes when they have no other way of doing so. And to just rip that away from them was causing mental health issues left and right and stress and anxiety. And we said, we, we just have to deliver. And we didn't care about revenue. We didn't care about the financial aspect. We just said, we have to continue to produce. And we, foot, we footed the bill for so much, and we still are. And we want to, and we're, Immediately, within weeks of, of doing this, we worked with a script writer. We had an original script that, that we turned into a radio play. So that was, our, that was one of our first, Dracula, a comedy of terrors, narrated by the amazing Alan Tudyk, who is who's from Firefly and King Candy on Wreck-It Ralph and many other. Like, he, <laughs> he, he does every voice and sound effect you can think of. Um, 
But along those lines, he was in Vancouver because he was shut down. He was filming something. He was in Vancouver. We shipped him a mic and he was just in this big echoey room. And we, but we need to, we need to sound as crisp as we can. So that goes back to the tech skills. And we literally, we just send pictures ahead of time to all these people. We say, be prepared to build a pillow fort because I've got pictures of Alan Tudyk with pillows all around his microphone underneath his smelly dog blanket. Cause he literally just grabbed a, a blanket that was next to him and that he used to wipe his, his dog's feet off after they took a walk. And we're just recording these lines with him around his pillow fort or inside his pillow fort. And then we've got other Tony nominated, Tony winning members of the cast who are doing the same thing. And we've just got all these amazing foot screenshots and footage of people with their improvised sound booths. And then over time, we've produced more original content. And it's funny because as time progresses, everybody's setup gets a little bit better every time. And they realize they need to get a little bit closer to their Wi-Fi or they'll retrofit a little bit of their closet. Or you can see the cheapy sound panels start to go up behind them to absorb the echo. And they're they're starting to learn and get it. And every every time... You know, we're always we're always making sure that we get mics out to them and that we meet the head of, ahead of time to talk through the sound setup. But it's it's uh, it was a really fun challenge that I remember. Like we were disappointed to answer your question. Long story long, <laughs> we uh, we were disappointed. We I sat in it for a moment and then Dory and I made that decision. We will not let this stop us. And nice. and we saw we experienced double digit growth while the industry was seeing the huge decline. That is awesome. And my hat is off to you for for doing that, for making the conscious decision to double down. So I have a couple things that I want to talk about. We're going to get into tech stuff. If you're listening to this and you want to know the tech stuff, we're going to get to that in just one second. But there are two or three things I want to pull out of what you said. The first one is, what is a mindset trick that you use during this time to keep positive? Because I mean, you had a lot of balls in the air, you had a lot of forward momentum. I know a lot of people that just would have been like, screw it, this sucks, run down the street, jump in front of a train, like, <laughs> whatever, right? I'm just going to take a stimulus check, and I'm not going to do anything. How did you like, what was the mental? I don't I don't know what it what the answer is. But like, it takes a different mentality to say, you know what, we're going to find the silver lining, we're going to push forward, and we're going to double down. Do you have a do you have a strategy or quote or something that fits in there? Not a quote, really, I think what I have learned. And and it's, it's sort of exemplified by the team that we've built. You know, there's a very there's a small team of us that that are the core people of Broadway Podcast Network. And it's surround yourself with people you can trust it surrounds some yourself with people that you want to work with the next day. And I, I, you know, I also think that inspiration comes from the top too. And I, I've never, I don't know what this is. I think this is, you know, the insecure actor in me. I've never been able to accept defeat. And so when, when insecurity and I guess insecurity and self-doubt come into play instead of like some, some people, Everybody deals with it differently, and some people kind of retract, and some people go will put forth that air of confidence that you can tell is really fake. Um, and and I've I've just only recently too, obviously with with the help of therapy and many conversations and many podcast interviews of my own on my own podcast, but um, have realized that it it's that I'm driven to succeed, and that no matter where I am. 
to quote Andre DeShields, I guess here's a quote for you. When he won his Tony Award um, back in 2019, he said, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. And I, I that really resonates with me because I, I'm climbing, I'm climbing, I get there. And sometimes you slip and sometimes you fall back a little bit and, and make some backwards progress. But hopefully when you slip, you learn and you don't take that same path again. But once you get to the top, that's just the bottom of the next mountain. So what the therapy has helped me do and my own introspection has helped me say, okay, here I am. I'm sitting with this. I'm happy with where I am. And I've accomplished something. But now what's next? So that when, and I think Dory is very much the same way, is that w whenever we have a challenge, we don't, we've learned to not take it personally because this business is very harsh. It's full of rejection. So maybe we're just used to a lot of rejection in the first place anyway. But we don't let it stop us. And if there's a roadblock, we try to walk around it. That's, that's just always what I've done with my life. And, and I think a lot of this mentality maybe comes from my dad too, because he, I grew up watching him fix things. He very much, he was, he was a, a, a doctor. He became a doctor to get out of a life he didn't want to have um, as a younger child. And, but even though he was into medicine, he still was very handy around the house. He liked carpentry and we would, we would snake out the toilet and we would fix the air compressor on the fridge and all of the other thing, you know, we would pick, fix the holes in the walls that my brother and I would create. And so I grew up without realizing it until I was an adult, just with the assumption that if something breaks, I can fix it. Absolutely. So that, yeah. That's, I mean, I think that you touched on a couple of things that I'll just reiterate. First off, there are three things that you can do when you, when you're, stressed about saying when when life throws you a curveball right you can blame somebody you can run the other way you can basically whine and complain and victim 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 or you can put on like you said that air of confidence but everybody knows it's fake or the third one which you obviously took and i think most successful people take is we put our head down we get to work and we figure out how to make it do something um have you seen the last dance with michael jordan i have yes like the thing that I took away from that, I'm not a huge sports fan at all, but I watched it because I love studying people who win. And he was like, if he needed to be down 10 points because it just forced him to work harder. He showed up at 5 a.m. two hours before everyone to work five times as hard so that he could go out. And like, if you look, I don't remember which game it was. It was a playoff game. You know, like he had the flu. He was sick. He could hardly walk. And he scored like 68 points or something. Yeah, like, it was one of his highest scoring games. Yeah. It's just like, how do you, and the question that I've usually comes up around that is like, how do you push yourself that hard? Well, you just, you, you, it's a habit. When life throws you something, you figure out how to put your head down and work, which is what you guys did. So congratulations to you for that. Um, that quote was great as well. I, I love that so much. Um, we're going to put that in the show notes. <laughs> so I want to move out of this conversation a little bit, and I want to get to a couple of like the hardcore yes, no tech questions. So first off, I think it would be really cool if you got pictures of all of the people building their pillow forts and sent them to people and be like, as long as it looks better than this, you're doing okay. <laughs> like it would just be kind of funny. I don't know, make a joke or a Christmas card out of it or something. Um, yeah. I've seen the same thing. So let's start with technical gear. If you're recommending somebody be on a podcast or start running their own podcast, what do you think is a good budget? Um, oh, gosh. Well, the, I didn't expect you to 
start with the budget stuff because budget usually comes from from this from your need, right? So what I what I was what I was all prepared to answer was how do you plan what you need tech wise? Okay, let's um, go with that then. How do you plan what you need? Because I think a lot of people starting a podcast are like, I've seen them be like, I'm just going to talk to my phone. Yeah, and I'm no, use no. a voice note. Right. And then I've hard, seen the other no. people. Well, I've seen the other people who are like, I need $5,000. I have to build a booth and an arm and I like RTX cables and like all. I don't know if that's the real word. The, the not USB cables. XLR. XLR. There we go. Um, so you tell me, where where do you think most people should start if they want to start an in-home podcast? What do they need? You, I always, you yeah, I always tell people when they're starting out with a podcast, people, they say, I've, I've got this podcast idea. What should I do? And I say, well, first of all, draw it out. Literally put it down on paper. Write a timeline. Like draw a rectangle and say from this segment to this segment, this minute to this minute is going to be segment one. This minute to this minute is going to be segment two. Commercial, if I'm going to have one, goes here. So you're you're literally writing a script. Whether or not you realize it, you're graphically writing down a script. And I think of it for people who understand this metaphor of of thinking of it like a like a three camera sitcom because you want it to be as live to tape as possible, more or less. If that's if that's your shtick, so. Immediately think of your end goal and work your way backwards. Do you want it to be a bunch of pre-recorded clips? Is it going to be live to tape? Are you going to have music that you reference? Are you going to have sound effects that need to be played? Are you going to have you are you going to be video or audio only? Do you, do you plan on monetizing it because immediately decide if you want it to be business or a hobby. Those are two distinct mindsets that are going to dic help dictate budget and help dictate effort level because podcasting ain't easy. And you know that, <laughs> but it's a lot of work. And most of the time you're doing it on your own and you probably will never earn any money from it. So decide what you want your end product to look like and then work your way backwards. What problem are you trying to solve? So if you want to do something that's going to have video, then how important is video quality to you, right? Do you, do you already have, and what do you already have laying around? So I've got this little 10 or $15 U, uh, HDMI to, to USB capture card that I got mm -hmm. off of Amazon. And this turns anything that I can plug into this HDMI port into a webcam that's recognized by my computer. So a camcorder that I have laying around, a, my DSLR that I have laying around, I sometimes use my Canon 7D as the most expensive webcam money could buy, right? Because I've got this massive camera with a huge lens that I stick right here and I don't have good. it on. Yeah, so it looks amazing. And so what do you have laying around? What can you, what can you repurpose? And then again, what is your personal budget? Because once you work your way back, you're like, I, I think obviously you want to not talk into your phone and use voice notes. Just please, everybody listening, don't do that. That just sounds like crap. And it's going to turn listeners off whether they know it or not, whether they realize it because they're not hearing good quality audio. But there are some decent mics and I some people disagree with me, but I think the Yeti Blue is a great cost per function entry level mic for your for your person who wants to dabble or do voiceover auditions or even just wants to sound a little better in your corporate meetings because it's USB which everybody knows how to use it's very simple to unpack and set up 
and it's anywhere from 120 to 160 or 70 bucks if like the original one I got came with this mic arm which I've now repurposed for my current mic so I got a whole kit with the headphones the mic arm and a US and a Yeti for like $160 and it was a great setup and yep. then if you want to go a little bit further like now I'm using an, an Audio Technica I I don't feel the need because I personally from my space don't need I'm not doing professional voiceovers for high-end cartoons so I don't need the SMB7 because that that's a couple hundred bucks that I'd rather put somebody somewhere else so because I do a lot of camera stuff I took the money I would have spent on a high-end mic and bought some nice looking sound panels and a fiber optic kit right and it's all Google Home interactive interactive too so I can you know, smart home control, my lights behind me as well. So, um, but that's the techie in me anyway. But yeah, work backwards, draw it out, and then decide what makes sense. And then people, there, there's always the ability to swap out audio in podcasting, right? You can go back at any point, swap out your audio files, swap out your, uh, update your files. So if you don't like how you sounded recording something, an intro from episodes one through 20, re-record yourself with a better mic once you know what you're doing and swap out the audio. But if you're not sure you want to do this, don't blow your budget right in the beginning. I mean, I, I agree. I actually recommend, I have the Audio Technica as well. It was 150 bucks. The Blue Yeti is really good. Um, just get a decent sounding mic. I love the camera. I actually, I use the Sony A6100. Um, but it, it's great, but you don't need to do all that. I would say, I always tell people, get a mic, start with that, get past 20 episodes. Yeah. Then you can worry about everything else. You don't need a bunch of crazy stuff. A mic arm and a mic will run you $150. That's what you need. Audacity works really well. Camtasia, you can even use, you can use any video editing and just strip the audio out uh -huh. and level sound level it doesn't have to be difficult I, uh, I edit my audio only in final cut pro that's that's just i came from a linear editor background so that's where a non-linear editor background so that's where i that's where my expertise is um but uh, the only other thing i'll add to that is that as we were talking about building pillow forts and putting up sound panels you could get the best mic in the world and if you're recording in the middle of your living room with 20-foot ceilings and hardwood floors it's going to sound horrible and you're going to get a better sound out of the the wired microphone with the little onboard thing on the cord because because that's right there and not put, picking up echo from all over your your room. So get the cheapy mic, the less expensive mic and make sure that your space is as pristine as it can be. It, and you don't have to spend any money on a walk-in closet if you've got one, just sit in there and record. That's yeah. free for your first 20 episodes. I mean, honestly, so we did this with a friend of mine's mom, a walk-in closet, and we hung clothes all around her because it, it absorbs the sound. Yeah. It basically works like sound deadening, and nobody has to see you. And I said, once you get past 20 episodes, then you can spend a few hundred bucks and get it done. But prove to yourself, like baby steps. I love, what about Bob? Baby steps onto the boat. Baby steps <laughs> to the mast. I'm sailing. Um, it's a friend of Alan, mine that, that hangs a, a, a mattress pad behind oh, him when he records that's perfect mm -hmm. alan tell us a little bit in closing about your podcast if people want to come follow you because this has been really informative and fun something a little bit different 
where can they come find you? What's your podcast? Tell us about it. So my personal podcast is The Theater Podcast with Alan Seals. And, of course, available everywhere you find your podcasts. And you can go to the Broadway Podcast Network to find it. It's broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. And my shtick, and actually my podcast was podcast number one on BPN, on the network, because I had it and that that was what made me realize that I couldn't find anybody else's. Um, my shtick is, is maintaining success. And I like to talk about the mental health of these people that we don't think about having to deal with the stress and anxiety of being successful. I deal with major Broadway stars who have literally told me they've had straight on panic attacks while they're alone on stage in the middle of their solos, because all of a sudden it hits them. Oh my God, I'm carrying this show. Everyone's looking at me. There's 2000 people's out there. Am I going to forget my lines? What's going on? Oh my God. And, and they just freak out. They go down this road. So I love, love, love talking about that. Um, my, my most recent episode I just recorded before we're recording now was with Donnie Most from uh, Happy Days. So, nice. um, you know, he's talking about his journey from from the success, the massive, just overblown success. This is before social media, mind you, remember, mm -hmm. of not being able to go outside without being mobbed from Happy Days and then purposely leaving that he left the show himself and not being able to find work for years because nobody wanted to see him as anything but Ralph Mouth. So how do you deal with that, with that struggle? How does that make you feel? But yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. My personal website is thetheaterpodcast.com. Of course, visit broadwaypodcastnetwork.com for myself and many, many other podcasts. There are lots of uh, different things. Some are comedy, some are drinking podcasts. Some are, uh, we, we've got one that's brand new, super popular, that's a true crime sort of crossover. It's a documentary style podcast about Carrie the Musical, which is one of the biggest flops to date. It's based on Stephen King's novel. It came to Broadway and closed after like two weeks. It was just this massive flop. So that's super big. Um, I think that, oh yeah, YouTube. We're on YouTube slash Broadway Podcast Network. And I think that should be it. Oh, we just, we just launched an iOS app. There you go. Yeah, so bpn.fm slash app gets you that iOS app. And you can also add non-BPN podcasts as well. So it can replace everything. You can replace your current pod chaser. Awesome. Well, Alan, it has been so much fun to have you on. We might have to have you back on because we still got to talk about Japan. But that will be an open loop to bring yes. all of you guys back. Yes, please. Anytime. Alan, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. To everyone else who is listening, until next time, take action, change lives, make money, do things that make you smile, and have a great day. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people, and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to death to badwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.